0: The OMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the StarCityGames.com Open Series is coming up soon. On April 23rd and 24th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out. the standard, legacy, and draft opens, and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the StarCityGames.com Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Boston, and we'll see you there. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode sixty-one of Yo MTG Taps. That's right, Yo MTG Taps. Hope you all enjoyed our little April Fool's prank <laughs> last week.
1: Uh, we got people uh, writing us about that all week.
0: But yeah, we had tons of people like buying it all the way up until like even yesterday. I think people are still posting it, not realizing because they haven't listened to the episode yet, maybe. Um, Or they,
1: they like, turned it off, like, right before the end. Right, as
0: we kind of closed the episode, they didn't realize that there was a little, uh, revelation there at the end, but, um...
1: (laughs) Anyway, as always,
0: I'm Joey Pascoe.
1: I'm Big Head Joe, what's up?
0: We're gonna go over a couple cool things that came out this week. We have, uh... We're going to quickly touch on the uh, the results of Star City Open Series Atlanta this past weekend, and then we're going to talk about some very interesting news—I uh, guess more like leaks—that have come out in the past few days regarding New Forexia.
1: Spoilers! Um, Spoiler yeah. alert!
0: And uh, after that, we'll we'll see what else we can get into, depending on how much time we have. First of all, let's uh let's go right to Star City, Atlanta. Edgar Flores, the master no? Edgar Flores, <laughs> uh, won the standard portion with his classic standby blue white call blade. He has been top aiding so many events over the last what two months, right? End of February he was in D.C. Yeah, and then it was Edison, and then it was Memphis. Like so, he three top eights in a row, uh, including a finals appearance in Memphis when we were there. Um, and uh, finally, he gets his first win. He's already a level six in the Star City Players Club. Nuts. Uh, the only people above him are Alex Bertoncini and Jerry Thompson, who are both level sevens. And uh, and Jerry is, I believe, two points away from hitting level eight right now.
1: Wow. Nuts. That's awesome.
0: So uh, pretty exciting. Um, there were, of course, five Callblade variants in the top eight.
1: Well, six if you include the ninth place finisher AJ Soccer. Right. Uh, he, that, uh, and I guess seven if you include eleventh place. But uh, I, I feel, feel so bad for AJ, man. Like he
0: keeps getting so close. Yeah. Oh uh,
1: He's like the ninth place wonder, man. It's really, it's really tough. Like I, I would love to see him break through and win one of these tournaments.
0: His highest place finish is second place, and that was. Uh, That was the Legacy Open in Memphis when we were there. Right. So, um, yeah, wow. He really – he's like always threatening to win, but he seems to never be able to take one down. But uh, I think he'll get there. I mean, the fact is he is – he's pretty high up in the, the players' club, so there is no reason why he would stop attending these events. And he's doing so well. He's making the money anyway.
1: Well, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I I just love to see him break through, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like Edgar did this week, you know, Edgar finally won one. Right. And and that's really cool to see um, because he kept threatening and, you know, obviously he was a force. And we all know AJ is a force on the uh, on the Open Series, you exactly. know.
0: Exactly, yeah. Totally agree.
1: Glad to see, also glad to see Harrison Greenberg top eight with the green-white uh, Jumanji list.
0: Yeah, that was cool.
1: I love um, Harrison Harrison's an awesome guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Despite everyone trolling him about saying uh, uh what was it? Archetype. Archetypes. <laughs> Despite everyone trolling him about that. Like Harrison Harrison's a really cool dude. Like spent a lot of time with him over the last uh, couple opens I've been to and he's a really cool guy to hang out with. So um just a little shout out there. Respect to Harrison Greenberg for the 5th place finish.
0: Right on. Uh Thank you. Another interesting deck in the top eight uh, was Blue-White Control with uh, yeah. David Sharfman. He was in eighth place. It was kind of like a classic Blue-White Control list with uh, kind of a proliferate sub-theme and Venser in there. So, like, wow. Uh, I'm not running Hawks and Swords and Stoneforge Mystics, but I'm going to get in here, too. Like, it's kind of cool to see that.
1: Well, it's, I mean, it's it's a deck that had been, like, screaming to be built. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. with the Vensers and the Clasps and all that stuff. Right. Um. I mean, I, I just love Contagion Clasp. Like, I, I mean, I almost feel like you don't really need a hawk if you've got a clasp or a magnet. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need the swords if you have magnet, you know? I don't know. Yeah. There are ways to uh, to deal with it. I mean, Wall of Omens seems like a really great play right now, which is kind of funny. But, well, uh,
0: it doesn't block hawks very well.
1: <laughs> hawk, but the clasps, <clears throat> The clasps and the magnets, you know, should be able to deal with the hawks while the walls are blocking anything else.
0: Yeah, good point. It's funny because, I mean, the thing is, blue-white control is very viable. There's no reason not to play blue-white control. In fact, that's what the Callblade decks are doing. They're playing Hawks and Swords and Mystics and blue-white control. You know, they just kind of fit that in there. But, I mean, you can just, you know, the the option is there to say, you know what, I'm just going to put some more control cards in here to take care of opposing creatures or hawks or swords and, um, and win on the back of my control cards, you know, my, my planeswalkers and my man lands. So, uh, you know, it's, it's there.
1: Oh my God. Wow. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, force of wills at 90 bucks on star city right now. Wow. And, uh, Jace is also at 90. So I traded a Jace for two forces of will at uh, Memphis. That seems like a really nice, (laughs) I mean, the the forces are pretty played, but, their forces.
0: Yeah, they still work the same. It's not, you know, if this card has messed up corners, it's two life and a blue card from your <laughs> head. You know, Right. They play the same. Yeah, it's, uh, I think anybody who invested at all in Legacy, especially with standard cards. Um,
1: yeah, I cashed out a standard entirely for Legacy, so. Yeah.
0: I, you, I was mad. laughing last week when you were like, my only standard deck is this event deck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It really is. I, uh, did, I, did I talk about this on the podcast yet?
0: I don't think you did. I can't remember.
1: Okay, so the last two weeks at FNM, um, two weeks ago, and I was like, I don't have a standard deck, <clears throat> so I literally just grabbed the event deck, the, the cold off the Red event deck. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I took out the Iron Mirror, naturally. I took out the two uh, Dark Steel axes, and I replaced them with uh, two more Bushwhackers to make it, you know, play set, and I replaced, um, the Iron Mirror with a random Goblin Chieftain, and then I replaced two Mountains with two, uh, Contested War Zones. And so I had three Contested War Zones, two Goblin Guides, um, two Panic Spell Bombs, and, um... I went to war with it and I went 3-1 at FNM top 4. Um, that's now, so awesome. I now, mean, you know, I'm not playing Callblade the whole time, but I don't know. I don't think I do too bad against Callblade with the deck. Um, I think
0: Roll well, Red has a typically good matchup against Callblade, but it kind of depends on the build, I'm sure. So, I don't know. I haven't I haven't really played my Callblade list against the event deck. <laughs> so, right. I can't I'm not sure, but just the uh, the burn spells kind of tend to give you at least some yeah. Game against Callblade.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, last Friday, I actually sleeved it up, added two more Goblin Guides, and um, and made top four again. So two straight weeks, top four in FNM with the uh, event deck. Holler.
0: Slightly modified event deck. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, I mean, when when they said that those decks would be uh, competitive at FNM, they weren't lying. You know? Yeah. Like, I didn't try the blue-black. Like, I took one... Because I wanted to play the blue-black Infect deck. Mm-hmm. At FNM, when I just when I was picking an event deck, I was like, I want to do well with this one because everyone expects that the other one's better. But I looked at some of the cards in it, and I was like, I don't know. I cannot play 4C. Four, uh, four I was like, I just can't play 4C four, four in, in a standard deck that isn't um, Pyromancy's Ascension. You right. know what I mean? So right. I, I I just had to go with the Mono Red, right? which is more my play style anyway. Yeah. Um,
0: I think it's funny that you uh, singled out 4C because that, I'm sure, is not – that is probably not the worst card in the deck,
1: <laughs> but it was just—it just seemed like a really like, God, like four four C's. Are you kidding? Like I don't know. It Seemed uh
0: they were like it's either Jace or four C. Well, let's go with four C. But basically, you're saying that the reason you got to that point is because you cashed out a standard to get into Legacy, right? So, like, how you how have you been doing? Like, as far as Legacies, like, I was thinking about that this morning. I know you're mostly trading for Legacy stuff, right?
1: Right, well, I mean, I had to uh, get a big chunk of duels from Lloyd. Um, Which you bought, I
0: assume, for the most part?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm actually paying him, like, back for them. Okay. They're, they're kind of on account. Um, I'm picking up cards for him as I can fill his needs. Like, he has a list. Oh, cool. So okay. I got him a Caracas. I got him a set of Cabal Therapies. You know what I mean? Like, I got him things. Um, How much but, Caracas? Uh, Caracas is up to 50 right now.
0: Okay. What did you? What, do you remember what you traded for that? I'm just curious.
1: I uh, don't care. I traded for it at 30. That's all I know. That's awesome. So, uh, so I was happy with that. Um, one of the things for those of you who are who are getting into legacy, if I had one piece of advice for you about trading for legacy cards, uh, it's be ruthless. Honestly, like I'm I hate to say it, but be ruthless.
0: What do you mean um, by that?
1: I mean, like, don't hesitate to like take any card at any value you can get it for you know what i mean like you can't i don't know like i have a i have like i'm I'm not a machine like i have a conscience when it comes to trading like someone asks me how much a card is i'm probably going to tell them exactly what star city has it at right you know what i mean like i can't sit there and 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 go well ebay's got it at this if you if you mention ebay prices to me i don't want to trade with you frankly because I don't go by eBay prices. I don't have those prices. I don't well, look at those prices. That's the
0: thing. eBay prices aren't a solid number. Like they're very—it's no, they're they're,
1: they're, very subjective. It's—it's it's whatever you want to say your your eBay price. I almost cussed how it's getting me <laughs> frustrated. Like, uh, like it, you know, if they can just say whatever price it is that they want eBay to say it's at. And like, well, how am I, what am I going to do? Okay, well, let me log on to eBay real quick on my phone and take a look at these price. No, like. If you're trading with somebody and you and you need to use values, like pick a website, like that's even if thing. you have the eBay prices in your head, don't talk about them. Nobody cares what it costs on eBay. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> don't talk about it. Don't tell me about it. You mention eBay to me when we're trading. I'm going to close my binders. You're not going to trade with me if you start talking to me about eBay prices. OK, like it's it's so frustrating. But anyway, now <laughs> I'm also this other thing and I can't even remember what the heck I was talking about.
0: <laughs> um,
1: Being ruthless in trading. There you go. I mean, like, don't hesitate to take a value if it sounds good to you. You know, don't hesitate to take a card at any value. Um, what
0: do you mean by that? Like if somebody like put, put if somebody something...
1: undervalues their cards, great. Let them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like I, I, I tend to be fairly honest when I'm trading. You know, like I just tend to spell it out. Like if someone goes, "What are these cards worth?" I'll go, "This is this. This is this. This is this. This is this. This is this." And just like name it out. Right. You know. But like I've, I've found myself lately doing trading as Medina would probably say the right way, um, and laying the cards out and go, "What do you put this stuff at?"
0: Yeah, I, I just don't even. It, you saying being. You using the term ruthless? I don't think that's very ruthless. I think it's just saying how much do you value this at? You know, I'm, uh, you know, I don't look at the prices as much as you do. Um, And if someone, if I were trading for Caracas, I and I had looked at the price last week and it was fifty, and they said thirty, I'd go "Hmm, maybe it dropped. That's what I think in my head. I don't know. They, I, maybe I look at it in and, and it actually went down because nobody's playing it or something. You know, I don't know. Uh, and I get home and find out, oh, it is 50 still. Well, you know, cool. I got a good deal. Or I come home and I'm like, oh, it did drop. It's only 30 now. Whatever. You know, like, I don't know. You know, anyway, I, this is a whole other topic for an entire other podcast. Really- <laughs> Let's move into the results of the Legacy Open in Atlanta. <laughs> Jesse Hatfield, which is Alex Hatfield's brother, won the event with High Tide. So the Hatfield brothers are just rocking these Open Series events with High Tide. And uh, Alex was in the top eight, too, and they were on opposite ends of the bracket. And uh, it was looking like it it was possible that they end up facing each other in the finals in a High Tide Brothers Brothers War War mirror.
1: (laughs) The Brothers War.
0: (laughs) That was awesome. But unfortunately, it didn't pan out that way. Uh, David Thomas was playing dredge. He he made it to the finals. One of the more interesting things now, if you remember back when when uh, Alex Hatfield won, he was looking like he was about to lose, and he top decked like a, a, a time spiral, I think, at just yep. the right time. Yep. And the same, almost the same thing happened in game three in Atlanta. Jesse top decks himself out of a bad situation. I think he top deck to high tide yeah. uh, when David Thomas had nine zombies in play that had, you know, they had just come into play from Bridge from Below, and so they had summoning sickness because he didn't have Flamekin Zealot. Uh, but basically he was like, pass the turn, and if Jesse couldn't win there, it looked like he, he was in a really bad situation. He was going to lose. I mean, I think he could have, what, played turnabout to tap all <laughs> uh, David's creatures, I think, would have been an option yeah but you know he had very few options, but he he top decks a high tide and uh goes off
1: so uh, is this is this um is this top eight indicative of the format or indicative of the uh, region because i mean let 's look at this top let 's look at this top eight real quick we 've got yeah. combo 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 combo
0: right we've got two high tide two dredge
1: or, or no i 'm talking about the the elf ball the um, oh, top well. four all combo and then Bant Aggro, obviously, so Aggro, and then Combo again, and then Zoo and Natural Order Bant, which is, uh, a ag- you know, it's got a like a mid-range, like, Aggro kind of right. build with the Combo.
0: Right, and- it's it's like an Aggro Combo deck. So, so here's what I'm looking at. I see two High Tide, two Dredge, Elves, so those are all Combo decks. Right. Right? Then we have Zoo and Bant Aggro, which are both Aggro decks, and then we have Natural Order Bant, which is a... Aggro combo deck, so right. so kind of uh, meeting the metagame in the middle there. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Like you know, we had this huge top eight full of combo decks the week before in uh, L.A. and now in Atlanta again. You know, more than half combo decks. I mean, you kind of say it's what five and a half combo decks right out of the top eight. Yeah. Uh, so is it? The, I think it has to do partly with the format. I think it actually has to do mostly with the format, I'd have to say, because I feel like uh, just like Flores and and Drew Levin, uh, and that's Mike Flores, uh, and Drew Levin were saying that the format was weak to combo a few weeks ago. I think they were right, and it still is in that state. Now, I don't expect it to stay that way. In a couple weeks in Boston, um, I've already seen... Um, Mark Sun, who writes for mtgmetagame.com, or at least he, he, wrote, for, uh, he wrote an article for mtgmetagame.com, uh, he, he's predicting Countertop to come back in Boston. Hmm. Um, because, I guess, because of the combo decks. It's, again, it's adjusting. Everything's kind of rotating. Everything adjusts to, uh, to fight combo decks. So yeah. control decks tend to do well against combo decks because they have ways to disrupt the combo. So uh that'll be interesting to see and um I'll be in Boston with Adrian Sullivan doing SCG live coverage so I'm excited to see if that pans out um I'm
1: I will not be in Boston by the way. Oh okay
0: um, I know you were thinking about coming up but uh, I
1: was that was really thinking about coming up. I mean I had I had the Bolt bus tickets like all loaded up on the computer ready to hit purchase. Yeah uh, but then I realized that the tournament is in Boxborough and not in Boston. And it's not really their fault. I mean, they have to market it like that. But
0: right, I mean, it's I, the I closest looked. near, you know, the, the nearby city, the biggest nearby city.
1: I, I took one look at the map and went, eh, never mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you know what's funny about like I keep seeing high tide decks and going, man, I really want to play this deck, but there's no chance I'm buying Candelabra of Thanos. <laughs> so. I just feel like, oh, I just wish that there was... Like, I want to kind of brew another version that doesn't play Candelabra, but I just don't know that it's even uh, possible. I may actually try. I may actually yep. start trying to build the deck without Candelabras and see what I can do. But. Couldn't
1: you use something... I mean, because I've actually been looking at... um, I don't know for real if it makes any sense, but I've been actually been looking at Rewind.
0: Yeah, but like uh, a, the counter spell that untaps lands, right?
1: Yeah, just another... You know, just another way to untap your lands. Um,
0: yeah, I think the I whole just, thing is you need to be able to just untap at will and not, like, uh, wait till like, your opponent casts a spell. Right, it's a <laughs> very active
1: way to go off on your combo, yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: you're like, I, I mean, could go off as soon as he plays a spell. <laughs> right.
1: Well, the other thing I was looking at, honestly, I mean, like, if you use something like, uh, if I was thinking of, like, a green splash for Magus of the Candelabra, which sounds stupid, but, like, I mean, it does the same thing. It just has summoning sickness and is a creature.
0: Yeah, it just—it seems like such a fun deck to play, and I'm like, does. ah, I want to play this?" So I'm trying to. I'm going to see if I can get the cards besides candelabras and uh, see what I can do. So uh, let's move on to our pretty awesome, crazy news section of the podcast.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely pretty awesome and crazy, right?
0: Yeah. So apparently. An anonymous source leaked some Japanese scans of 20 New Phyrexia cards uh, the other day, on Monday. Somebody released these uh, these Japanese scans, and of course, immediately, people set about translating them. And so we have 23 cards total spoiled. Uh, 20 were from these Japanese scans. The other three were uh, the ones we knew. El, what is it? LS Norn. Grand Cenobite, the, right. the one they, they previewed the other day, and then Suture Priest and uh, what's the uh, the artifact called, the uh, Pristine Talisman, that, right, right. both of which they had the game day, uh, they were game day promos. Anyway, let's just, you want to just go over all these spoilers?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to go over some spoilers. All right, let's
0: just start right, right at the top with the big one. Yeah! Go for it, read it.
1: All right, sure? now you read it. Okay. Uh, this, this one's for you, man.
0: Well, it's a Planeswalker, and it's, uh, it was one that a lot of people were speculating about, and we have Karn the Released. He costs seven. He's a Mythic Rare. He has six Loyalty to start. Uh, plus four, target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Minus three, exile target permanent. And uh, minus 14, set aside all non-Aura permanent cards exiled with Karn. Then restart the game. (laughs) Then put all cards set aside this way onto the battlefield under your control. Uh, He is card number one out of 175, which is kind of interesting. Uh,
1: That's fantastic. Like, I mean, because he's colorless. Mm -hmm.
0: Right, he's not not an artifact. artifact.
1: Not an artifact. Yeah, that was one of the things people were uh, speculating was that he might be the first artifact planeswalker.
0: Right, but he is not an artifact. He is is a colorless
1: colorless planeswalker, so we were half right.
0: Right. So... Real quick, let us let me just start off by saying one thing that did not need to be translated from the uh, from the Japanese scan, which is the artwork, which I'm not very happy with. Jason Chan is an awesome artist, but I just think he he did not do a very good job with Karn.
1: You don't like the art? I don't like the art. I want to look at it again. Because, I mean, I, I'm not a big art advocate. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I like it just fine. Yeah, I, Yeah, I mean, like, I, I just feel like...
0: It's too plain. It's not... It's
1: yeah, like, like, I mean, after some of the art we've seen for Karn, like, on, like, Corrupted Conscience and stuff right, like that, right. like, you, you know, it was really exciting, and you thought you'd get, like, something a lot more grand, yeah. I guess, you know, or a lot more... I mean, it's just a lot more, like, detailed period, but...
0: Yeah, so what do you think of the actual abilities on the card?
1: I think it's pretty damn cool, like...
0: Now, cool, how cool, like, all right, we're, we're gonna probably do most of this uh, analysis from the point of standard...
1: Right, right. I I mean, I don't know, I don't really see where it fits. I mean, it fits in any deck, obviously, because it's colorless. Mm -hmm. So that means that there are any number of strategies that could use this card. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, its best home would be in some sort of control build. Um, because it's so expensive, and you would need to have a long game to get to its abilities. and
0: To get to the next game that you have to start over if you uh, uh, use it. Right. Ultimate.
1: right. Um, I mean, I feel like it's a really... Like, for the person who's uh, facing Karn, it's a really easy thing to play around. Yeah. The ultimate, you know, right. like... like,
0: I'll exile spell pierce, or something, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, or any spell. Any, right, or any aura. Non-
0: non-permanent or...
1: Para, right, I think it's really cool. I think that uh, I'm sure someone will find a use for it.
0: Yeah, my opinion is I'm glad it's not that good.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it ha- you, you figure with a colorless planeswalker, they would have to like nerf it a little yeah. bit, right?
0: I mean, the plus four target player exiles a card from his or her hand. Uh, that's not really that much different than Liliana's plus one. Okay, target player discards a card. In most right. cases, in, in in the majority of cases, in standard right now, that's not going to make a big difference. Now, sure, right. if you're playing against somebody playing Vengevine, they would rather you play Liliana than Karn. But I think, you know, in the majority of situations, you're not going to. That's not a big difference. Uh, right. Minus three, exile target permanent. That is just him coming down and being spine of Ishsah, right?
1: Right, and cost the same, right? Right,
0: cost seven to play Spine of Ishshel. Now, of course, you can go, place, you know, play Karn, Exile something, and then next turn make them discard, and you know that's all great and everything, but I feel like there's, it's just not, it's too weak for a seven casting cost guy, and and his ultimate, in most cases, you think like the ultimate's going to win the game, but in this case, like you said, you can play around it, and how much of an advantage is it going to be if? Somebody starts the game with like, a, like your your glacial fortress in play. You know, like they oh they got to, <laughs> You know, like because that's what you discarded. Like oh I have to discard a permanent. Fine, I don't need lands anymore. It is turn six or seven.
1: But what hit. does that? Like, what does that mean though? I mean that's what I really need to know. Is what does restart the <laughs> game mean? Does that mean? Clear the board, draw new hands, start at twenty life.
0: That's unclear to me too, and I think that's something for the FAQ. Now, like restart the game. That's what it sounds like. Um, that, that is what it know. sounds like. Right. What you if th-
1: you're playing against an aggro deck with a control deck? Sure, you get a couple permanents, maybe, but there's still you know. Right? I don't do, know. do
0: life totals reset? Do poison yeah. counts reset? Does everything just totally reset and like you start? You're starting an entire new game. Shuffle your hand away you know, mulligans, do you mulligan again? Do you, right, uh, yeah. You know, is it entirely a new game except you start with the cards that, the, the permanents, the non-Aura permanents that Karn Exile? do you start with those? Uh, the thing I kind of feel like, and, and it's possible that this was mistranslated, um, but I feel like that plus four would have been much more interesting if it was target player exiles a card at random from his or her hand, because then they can't play around it as easily, and it makes the ability more powerful than... Uh, you know, significantly more powerful than Liliana. Right. So I feel like that would have been one more reason to say, you know, okay, this guy's playable. This guy's m- more interesting to play because there's a tension there. Like I have to exile a card at random. Right. I, I, that There's always a tension with that. Discarding at random is, is one of those kind of things that I've always felt was uh, a neat an interesting thing to the game, an interesting and something they've really—they've really kind of the really they, nerfed it, yeah.
1: Well, they've really kind of stepped away from
0: Ra- random Right, this random Discard. card. Exactly. Um, but I know now from playing more Legacy recently, it's—it's it's kind of exciting. Even when someone plays him to Torak on me, I'm kind of like, "All right, I'm going to lay out my cards. Let's see what happens." You know, it's—it's right. it's exciting. Now I understand like randomness isn't fun, but I think it's fun when you're the player. Making someone else do something at random, it's more fun. Him to Torak is fun because you're like, I can definitely hit, I can very much potentially hit a card they don't want me to hit. I can hit two cards they don't want me to hit. They don't get right. that decision. Right. Um, you know, and I think if Karn were a random discard, not really discard, but exile from their hand, uh, I think it would be much more interesting, a lot more tension, and, you know, they could go, Oh, I just, I lost my Titan. And right. I hope that, uh, you know, that they can't go off with Karn in two turns because they're going to get a Titan. I right. I kind of think so.
1: Now, I, you know, I, I, I know this is a, another tangent, but um, <clears throat> I wanted to just briefly touch on random discard and like, like I don't know, sportsmanship, I guess. Um, <clears throat> for some reason, uh, my roommate Travis really thinks that it's kind of like uncool when like, you know, when you go to do random discard and you roll dice to determine it. He's like, why don't you just pick two cards out of my hand and then let's move on with it. Like, which I can kind of understand from, like, a sitting across from someone at, like, a casual game sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, I like to roll dice because it really is random. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would actually – I don't even think rolling dice is random enough. Like, I would rather – because there's still a human hand involved in that. I would love to push a button that just chose a number between <laughs> X and X. You know what I mean? And like, or between one and X. You know? And then just did that and take the human element out of it entirely. But like, for me, like, there are too many tells that can be made.
0: Right. Well, like
1: from just picking a card from someone's hand. Yeah. In that case, like, yeah. your opponent can like flash their eyes towards a card they don't want to like lose. Or something like that, you know, and I just feel like rolling dice is just the safest way to, like, just actually make it random.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, it does take a little bit longer. Maybe that's what it is, like you said, because if, if you're playing just casually, you're like, get on with it, you know what,
1: what I if, mean? Yeah, what he was saying was, you know, it sucks enough, like, getting hemmed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then to, like, sit there while someone's rolling dice and then having to re-roll dice because they rolled the same number twice and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but I, I, I still feel like it's a really... You know, it's the best way to do it and be fair about it. Right. Because I don't want to... I don't want information. You know what I mean? It's random. <clears throat> I don't want an advantage. I agree. I don't want to see what they're, like, kind of glancing at or whatever. You know, I want to just keep the... Like, just be objective and just roll dice.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you. I i don't think it's a huge deal, but I do agree. Like, I, I think I'd rather... Roll dice. Um, like now, the pressing a button thing, I think, is a bit much. But, um, you yeah. know, the rolling dice, I, of course, if it was that easy to just do that. And and online, that's how it works. You don't have to even press a button. It just, does this resolve? Yes. Okay, random cards gone. <laughs> it automatically, like, you know, does the random thing. So, anyway. Let's move on to white. Let's move on, yeah. So, we've got L.S. Norn, who we've already spoiled. Uh, let's go Norn's Annex. Now, this has one of the more interesting things that uh, is is coming with new Phyrexia, which is, I guess you call it Phyrexian mana?
1: I guess. I mean, well, it, and, and, and it's the mana is actually colored too, right? Right, exactly. So, 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 so the symbol is the same color as the mana you would pay. So like with Norn's Annex, it costs three... And then Phyrexian Phyrexian, basically, which mm-hmm. uh, is a white, two white Phyrexian symbols. And that symbol may be paid for with either one white mana or two life. Uh, this card in particular here is an artifact. So we have colored artifacts again, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Right. Uh, Creatures can't attack you or Planeswalkers you control unless their controller pays Phyrexian for each attacking creature. So it p- pays either white or two, again. Right. Um, so that's really interesting that they can pay two life, um, or they can pay a white mana, which is interesting for an opponent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I guess w- wouldn't be too... Uh, too useful in today's standard, huh? But, uh, <laughs> a lot of white, yeah. But uh, so, but yeah. still, that's really cool that that's uh, that they that they're doing that with the Phyrexian symbols.
0: Yeah, and it's it's not just white, you know. It's it's some color. So basically, the situation is you can pay either one color of that mana, that color, or two life. So what this means is I could play Norn's Annex in my you know any color deck, any deck that I want, and just pay four life and three instead right. of instead of paying uh, you know, instead of paying two white and three. so it's really an interesting thing. I mean that's the other cool thing. it's you can play this on turn three with no acceleration. you know what right. I mean like yeah. it, it does you know you think oh it costs five like well it costs three if you're willing to pay two life per white mana Well you can also do you split that up say I'll play it on turn four pay white three and two life. So the fact that you can mix it up and basically play this early I suppose is the best way to put it. I mean it's not really early. It's printed that way on the card, but uh, you can play it kind of ahead of its curve and you can play it in any color if you are willing to give up the life. And I think this is cool too because it's kind of uh it's kind of like I'm willing to pay for life to get this out early, which is going to save me for life, because now you can't attack me unless you're going to pay some life of your own. Uh, it's an interesting card.
1: I really want to see um, <clears throat> when the rest of the spoilers hit, if there's going to be a spell that could be free.
0: Yeah, I, I really hope there is, and I know some me people, too. We, there was some chatter on Twitter. Um, I always want to use the word chatter when I talk about Twitter, I think because of the, <laughs> the double T thing, you know, the word sounds so similar. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> there was some talk on Twitter about the possibility of a free counter spell, you know, like, is there going to be some sort of force of willish card? I know uh, Bill Bolden and I were talking back and forth uh, saying, what, phyresis of will instead of force of will. <laughs> um, so uh, some people were suggesting something that was U U U or right. Phyrexian, Phyrexian, Phyrexian. So basically you could pay six life to counter target spell, and it, you don't even have to be playing a blue deck right um that was i think people are flipping out over that and that's another topic which i feel like i could go on and on about like i don't understand people's problem with a 1 for 1 it's a counter spell it's a 1 for 1 i know it it, it i know it you know counters anything that's counterable you know i know it, it's it's not non black creature or non artifact creature or whatever but you do need to have the card in your hand when it's cast you know if i draw my Phyresis of Will, the turn after you dropped your Titan, I can't do anything to your Titan with it. You know what I mean? It's like there is the drawback of needing it at the time it's cast. I don't understand people's huge deal with Don't oh, no. Considering the, the ridiculous kind of card advantage that we've seen, um, you know, and, and power creep to some extent on the creature's end over the past few years, you know, like it just seems so... I, I just don't understand. People, are, I think, have this inherent fear of counter spells, and it's like yeah. just—I think it's really getting out of hand. Um, now, I, yes, I agree. I'm biased. I play blue, and I will play that counter spell. That's true. But um, I think people were flipping out all about Mind Break Trap. <laughs> so, right. So go look at the thread for when Mind Break uh, Trap was spoiled, and watch how many people are flipping out about it. So,
1: but I mean, let's face facts. Like people just flip out that's true you know like that's the internet the internet gives every hothead uh instant like out, outlet you know what yeah, I mean and exactly. it's and it's just kind of one of those things where you have to choose who to ignore yeah um uh, when you're dealing with the internet
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> Right. yeah let's 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 keep moving So Phyrexian Unlife is an enchantment for white and two. You don't lose the game for having zero or less life. As long as your life total is zero or less, sources that deal damage to you have infect. So basically it's gain ten life.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what
0: it seems like. I mean, but but if this gets disenchanted, you know, or naturalized or whatever, you lose... If you're already at zero or less, of course.
1: But I think it's really funny about this card is that it's. Well, I mean, also, you know, we're getting translations again. But what it says here is, sources that deal damage to you, have infect. Right. So if the source deals damage to your creatures, it actually doesn't have infect. Yeah,
0: and that makes sense. I mean, I guess it's like. You know, I think it's the the flavor of the card is more along the lines of you having this unlife, not your creatures somehow getting. You know, it's not granting, in fact, I think it's... I, I don't know exactly, but the art on this card is pretty sick, and this is Jason Chan again, um,
1: but... I mean, it doesn't seem bad against, like, a mono-red deck or something.
0: Right, like, but making again, them
1: have to get ten more damage in, and they have no way to deal with enchantments.
0: Yeah, that's right. You're right. Actually, that's and, a good point.
1: You know, like, that seems like a... It seems like a pretty sick card against, like, any sort of burn or aggro strategy,
0: Yes, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Although it is important to note that it's the sources that deal damage to you. So, like, if they were to bolt you, it would actually have Fact.
0: Right, exactly. The point is, it's it really seems like gain 10 life.
1: Yeah, as long exactly. As, this, as long
0: as this is in play.
1: But gain 10 life for three mana against red is huge.
0: Yeah, exactly. You're right.
1: So, I mean, it does have some applications, but I think not outside of, like, a sideboard against a red deck. So if there are right. burn decks, then that's probably a good choice.
0: I think, uh, what's his name? Uh... Core Firewalker pretty much does the same thing.
1: Actually seems like a good choice um, for, like, Enchantress. Well, they could just to have a one-of in the deck and then Sterling Grove it up. Right. Or or Tudor, um, you know?
0: Yeah. So Pure Steel Paladin, now we've heard the name of this guy, but uh, we hadn't known what he did. And he he's pretty cool. Uh, he's a, one of the cards in a long line of knights that cost two. So he's a 2-2 he's a for a white-white He's a rare. Um, by the way, everything we've, we've talked about so far has been rare besides Karn, which is uh, mythic. mythic. And, of course, Elish Norn is mythic, but I'm skipping her because we didn't really talk about her. Uh, we've already talked about her a bit. Um, anyway, pure steel paladin, white, white for a 2-2, creature, human, knight, rare. When equipment, Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may draw a card. And it has metalcraft. As long as you control three or more artifacts, each equipment you control has equip zero. So... Um, it's, it's an interesting card. Now, obviously yeah. we're all afraid like, oh, does Callblade play this? I really don't think so, but <laughs> it's, it definitely gives you uh, I think it goes, I think it could be built around. Absolutely. There's so much good equipment right now. Yeah. Play, uh, you could play mono white aggro or something playing, uh, Squadron Hawks and Stoneforge Mystics and all the swords and mortar pod and. Basilisk Collar, you know, and draw tons of cards. I I think that's pretty awesome. And the fact that you can equip for zero is pretty significant, too.
1: It's interesting. I I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, it all depends on what they do with Stoneforge Mystic, you know. That's
0: true. Now, that's, you know, we don't know. But there is a little bit of talk about the possibility of banning Stoneforge Mystic. And that's not... We don't know how serious that is at all. Like, we don't know how likely it is at all. You think it'll happen. Chapin said... He could see it happening depending on how well – how much New Phyrexia impacts this format.
1: There's going to be a third sword. There
0: is going to be a third sword. I I, I
1: think that's enough impact to me.
0: Well, no, you're not thinking about the other side of the impact. You know what I mean? Like, yes, obviously that's another choice for that deck to run. But uh, is there going to be something else that makes that a lot less – of a good option, you know, a lot less attractive option. We don't know. We've only got well, we, twenty three cards.
1: Right. Well, we have. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen it through twenty three cards, but yeah, I mean, so, we'll see.
0: So, uh, moving on to blue, we have psychological surgery, or as the card is actually called,
1: surgical extraction. Yeah,
0: we knew about this name for a while, so it's kind of odd that they haven't translated it correctly. Now what,
1: my guess is that this is the card. You I know mean, what I mean? it's like, it's
0: translated as psychological surgery. So it seems like surgical extraction is likely the uh, the correct translation of it. But it's the, what is it? The buy a box promo? Right. It's a, a blue and one rare enchantment. Whenever an opponent shuffles his or her library, you may look at the top two cards of that library. If you do, you may exile one of them, then put the rest on top of that library in any order. Uh, So, I don't know. It's interesting, I guess. But I don't know that it's uh, something that you really, really want to be playing with. It's kind of like bad Jace in a way, (laughs) you know? I mean, the fact is, if you look at the top two cards and see two good cards, you have to give them one of them. You can't just say – it doesn't say you may exile one and then put the rest on top or bottom. Now I guess it could. That would be interesting. Fate seal and exile, that would be kind of cool. Mm. But again, uh, it, it's basically like in a way it's Jace's fate seal on an enchantment. But it only happens whenever they shuffle their library. So how relevant is that going to be? How often is that going to be relevant? There's a lot of shuffling going on, but do you really want to spend a card doing that? Like really? Now, what does make it interesting is Worldly Tutor and Enlightened Tutor. Yeah. (laughs) In Legacy, like, uh, Psychological (laughs) Surgery or whatever, Surgical Extraction seems like a very interesting card to combat those because those all tutor for the card and put it on top of the library, so. uh,
1: That actually seems kind of hilarious.
0: Yeah, so that, that, those, it basically completely hoses those, uh, those tutors. Um, Species Transplantation. Is another blue enchantment for a one blue and four. Uh, it's a rare. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Creatures you control are the chosen type in addition to the, their other creature types. I'm not very, uh, to me it's, meh, whatever.
1: Now, I mean, have you seen some of the interesting infinite combos people are coming up with that?
0: Actually, I haven't, so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what I'm missing.
1: Um, well, for allies it seems pretty good. And um, especially with Turn Timber Ranger because it just goes. You go. Oh you go. I play Species Manipulation, and then you play Turn Timber Ranger, and you go. I have infinite, infinite allies. Yeah. That have, <laughs> I have an infinite, infinite Turn Timber Ranger and infinite wolves. That's funny. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I
0: didn't. I didn't really think about allies. I guess I was thinking there's no creature type and torchburger by
1: the way is completely sold out and unfortunately i just sold all of yours at bulk but um
0: <laughs> yeah hopefully that doesn't uh I skyrocket think anything anything i think different. i think i'm it's safe like,
1: yeah 3 months whatever you know what i mean yeah. like um it's cute but you got to run blue green and i don't know
0: 2 5 drops like yeah. right you actually also have to play Species Transplantation.
1: <laughs> it's true. It kind of... It doesn't seem like a very sick top deck.
0: Right, it does really very like little to impact the board.
1: Right, it's it, one of those cutey combos down. like Colony Gem and whatever that other card was that people were liking that with. Remember?
0: I don't even remember.
1: I don't remember what it was. Oh, it was um, Training Grounds.
0: Oh yeah, people were trying to break training rounds like crazy.
1: Or, or was it train No, I don't think it was train. Well, training people
0: ground. were trying to break that card anyway.
1: Right. And of course nothing came of that. Right. So, you know, anyway. Um can I read this next card cuz so I think for it's it. pretty awesome? Yeah. So, we're moving on to black here. Uh, by the way, we did skip a uh, Priest of Norn in, or Sutra Priest in uh in white, but that was one of the promos, so
0: Yeah, that's why I skipped it.
1: Just look it up. Uh Chancellor of the Dross is uh three black and four. It's a vampire, it's a rare, it ca- it's a six six. And this is really neat because remember how uh, Mark Rosewater was saying that there would be cards that weren't ley lines that had an ability before the game started. Oh yeah. So uh so here's what uh Chancellor of the Draw says if Chancellor of the Draw is in your opening hand you may reveal it. If you do, at the beginning of your first upkeep you may have each opponent lose 3 life gain life equal to the life lost this way oh and it has flying and life link so 6 6 flying life link for 7 isn't horrible
0: right and the uh, fact that you have the option if you do happen to have it in your opening hand you can uh you can drain for 3 i think it's it's good in multiplayer obviously you just say i'm going to i want to drain you all for 3 and i gain however many players there are Right. Times and three Like, And
1: if you have four of them, you can reveal them all and say, it is now my duty to completely drain you.
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's really neat. I mean, especially with multiples, it seems like it could be really cool.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine? Funny.
1: I mean, that's like the quadruple archive trap opening hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like much. okay, beginning of the game, you lose 12, I gain 12. Never ha it'll never happen, but right. it's uh pretty hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um and I guess just one I mean I know it's irrelevant in EDH cuz you'd only have one in your deck, but another reason why I am completely against the partial Paris Mulligan. But anyway, um I guess do you want to move on or do you want to some more? Uh
0: glistening oil is uh, an enchantment aura rare for two black. Uh, Enchanted Creature has Infect. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a minus one, minus one counter on Enchanted Creature, and when Glistening Oil is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return Glistening Oil to its owner's hand. So it's pretty awesome. You basically flavorfully are saying, like, I'm going to dump some oil on this guy, and then when he, like, he's going to, it's going to kill him, and then it's going to move over to one of my other guys. (laughs) Right. I have to replay it, but... You know, it's, I saw that and I was like, oh, are we gonna get a, like a rancor cycle? And then I realized, no, I think it's just flavorful for this aura, so that's why it's, uh, it's done this way. It's, it's a neat card and it obviously it goes a long way towards making auras playable, which is something that Wizards has constantly been trying to do, and basically their only success as of late has been, uh, Eldrazi conscription. <laughs>
1: Right, right. (laughs) That was, like, for a different reason, though, I think. Right.
0: Well, Spreading Seas, too, but I meant creature auras, you know? Yeah. Spreading Seas is an aura as well. Uh, Do you like it?
1: Uh, It's neat. Uh, Like I said, it's flavorful. I think it's pretty cool. It's nice to be able to get it back. Um, I don't know where it would be used. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, exactly. If you're playing an infect deck, you probably just play infect creatures. Do you not, like, I need to play, I'm going to play some... I'm going to play Primeval Titan, too, and then I have to put Glissing Oil on it. <laughs> it would be nice to put put it in on uh, Inferno Titan, though.
1: <laughs> One interesting thing is that uh, we have not had a single infect creature spoiled out of all these cards.
0: That's a good point, yeah. Which
1: is pretty neat. Um,
0: this next card is nuts.
1: Uh-huh. I it's, know. I'm a little bit scared of this card. This um, is a pretty sick card.
0: It's a mythic rare. It costs black, 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 black. It's a 5-5 five, five creature horror with trample. What's that? Awesome artwork, yeah. It has trample, and whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Canceler, that's the name of the card, obviously, uh, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. So it's it's a new Phyrexian Negator. Phyrexian Negator costs three, this guy costs four. Uh, But Phyrexian Negator's issue was... When it was dealt damage, you had to sacrifice permanence. Like, the controller of Phyrexian Negator had to (laughs) sacrifice permanence. If this is translated correctly, it's, uh, you block my dude, you also have to sacrifice however many permanence your, uh, you know, your creature dealt damage to my guy. So, you want to block with your squadron hawk, you've got to sacrifice a permanent. That kind of thing. And also take four. (laughs) Because it's trample. Wow, it seems pretty disgusting.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty awesome creature.
0: Um, luckily, we have things like Jace and uh, Go for the throat.
1: Yeah, go for to, the throat
0: to deal with it because he's never getting blocked. The, the the trample almost seems irrelevant, you know, unless you're blocking with like walls. Pretty cool. I'm excited about that and also scared of it. Um, <laughs> but I'm then excited, again,
1: but I think it'll be cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I'll, I want to game with it, frankly. Yeah,
0: I, I don't mean. I don't mean like. You know, actually scared, like, why? How could they print this? I just mean, like, oh, gosh, that's going to be, that could be tough to deal with. But then again, what am I, what am I afraid for? I don't play with creatures. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever block. Like, like, he's going to hit Gideon. Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so uh Praetor's Grip is a, a black sorcery for black, black, one. It's a rare. Search target opponent's library for a card and exile it face down. Then that player shuffle, shuffles his or her library. As long as it remains exiled, you may look at it and cast it as though it were in your hand. So it's kind of neat. It's like a, a tutor through their deck, and you can play it, and they don't know what it is. Right. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm not sure how powerful it'll be because, obviously, you never know what you're going to be playing against for sure, but... It'd be kind of cool to take somebody else's jace when you're playing. You're playing jaces. You're like, I'm gonna steal one of your jaces and play it. Now you have to play one of your other jaces to get rid of it, while I, you know, get all the benefits of it.
1: Right. That seems. And it seems interesting.
0: Right. Um, so moving on to red. You want to read this next one?
1: Yeah. Chancellor of the furnace. Um, it's a five-five. Just a five-five. And uh, it's for three red and four. It's a rare. It's a giant. If it's in your opening hand, you may reveal it. If you do, at the beginning of your first turn's upkeep, you may put a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token with haste onto the battlefield, which is pretty neat. So you start with a free 1-1 one, one goblin. Right. Um, you know, seems like a pretty good thing to have alongside a turn one goblin guide, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when it enters the battlefield, w- w- so if you actually cast Chancel the Furnace, when Chancel the Furnace enters the battlefield, put X-1-1 Red Goblin creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield, where X is the number of creatures you control. So, yeah, that I mean, second a- ability seems irrelevant, but, um.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm playing a- an aggro deck and I'm trying to cast this 7 cost 5-5 five five giant, um. You know, seems unlikely. It's it's definitely a, a Timmy kind of card, you know?
1: <laughs> seems like a cool card to run alongside Pyrokinesis and Legacy. Uh,
0: how, what is, uh...
1: Because you remove the card, you remove a red card from the game. Oh, right, because you're of...
0: just like, I'm going to ditch it, right?
1: <laughs> right, you're like, reveal it, get the goblin, that's cool, get rid of it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I'll never have seven mana, and if I do, I'm doing something wrong.
0: <laughs> exactly. You know? So Invasion Parasite is a 3-2 for... Red Red 3, it's a creature insect rare. It has imprint when Invasion Parasite enters the battlefield, exile target land. Whenever a land with the same name as the exiled card enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, Invasion Parasite deals two damage to that player. So it's a kind of Goblin Ruin Blaster, kind of Ankh of Mishra. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. Um it's, it's uh, of course, a specific land, so it's kind of a targeted Ankh of Mishra. Ankh of Mishra was whenever a land comes into play, it deals two damage to its controller. Um, so it was both players, any land. Um, and that was a very old card. What is that, from uh, Alpha? I mean, it's... it's yeah, oh yeah, I mean, sure it's from way back. Right? Yeah.
1: Um, I'm pretty I sure, check. yeah. But, uh, I mean, I know it was in most of the core sets.
0: Yeah, it was in Alpha. So... Uh, went through up through Revised 4th, 5th, and 6th. So, um, anyway, uh, it's kind of neat because it's it's like Goblin Ruin Blaster to kick it would cost four. So this costs one more, but it doesn't get haste. So, you know, it doesn't have haste like Goblin Ruin Blaster does, but it does have an extra power. I'm kind of like comparing it to Goblin Ruin I, Blaster.
1: I, I'm just pissed off right now because I'm looking at the artwork for Ankh of Mishra from 5th edition. It's terrible. What is that? That's not an onk. Do you know what an onk is? I want to kill everyone that worked on the artwork for 5th edition. 5th edition has the absolute worst art of any magic set ever printed. Absolutely. It's like, it's like, do you have any 5th edition cards? What are those Those ones that look just like 4th edition but with horrible art? Yeah, 5th edition. <laughs> they, they look identical in card, like, frame and everything except that they have the worst art of any Magic card you've ever seen. Like, it's the only set that could take something like, Black Knight and just make it, like, not even scary. It's like, oh, Black Knight, oh. Like... <laughs> Ankh of Mishra has, like, these weather balls on it and a windmill <laughs> and a bull's head on some sort of wooden thing.
0: It's not an Ankh at all. <laughs>
1: it's not an on- How much clearer could the name Ankh of Mishra be? <laughs> ankh of Mishra. That must be an Ankh that Mishra had, right? Wrong! It's some funky thing with globes and windmills all over it.
0: What it looks you? at some sort of building.
1: It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Anyway. i never what? seen that before. That blows my mind. I'm. Um, like, this is. I mean, I saw that after I decided firmly years ago that 5th edition has the worst artwork I've ever seen. And then I see an Ankh. That's a. Oh my god. Alright, anyway. alright.
0: Alright, <laughs> right. end rant.
1: Jesus.
0: So Scrap Metal Fiend is a I like
1: this uh, card a lot.
0: I, I think this card's cool. It's a. It's a star, star, or asterisk, asterisk. Actually, it has this, uh, the power and toughness are each equal to the number of artifact cards in all graveyards. It's for one red mana. It's a creature construct rare. So, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of Tarmogoyfish, right? I mean, it's obviously just for artifacts, but no it's artifacts
1: uh, in all graveyards. Right. I mean, the first thing I think when I see this card is how can we abuse this? You know what I mean? Like, right. how can we abuse this card? Because, I mean, it could be so strong.
0: It really could. I mean, honestly, I think that card... I don't know what it's pre-selling for right now. I'm actually going to look it up. It's pre-selling for 4 bucks on Star City. Oh, so people
1: are taking it a little seriously. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think it's worth taking seriously. I mean, Tarmogoyf, I think, was like 3 4 bucks at one point. Now, I'm not saying this is Tarmogoyf, but think about the fact that you... If you play this in a deck with artifacts that are going to the graveyard... It's good. The problem is how what you need to play artifacts that are going to the graveyard, not just play artifacts. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Tarmogoyf was good because, like, any, it counted whatever was in the graveyard. Of course, just once each type. But the fact that you'd have a land in the graveyard and, a, and an instant in the graveyard already by the time the Tarmogoyf was even coming out on turn two. You know, you go turn one, fetch land. End of your turn, I'm going to brainstorm. Turn two, whatever. Tarmogoyf, you know what I mean? He's already a, a two-three immediately. Like that—that's why he's so good because he's by the time he's in play, you're already doing the things you're normally doing. But with Scrap Metal Fiend, you can go fetch land, get you know whatever. Scrap Metal Fiend—it's dead, you know—it's like not gonna do anything. Like you can go like Lotus Petal, Scrap Metal Fiend. I have a one-one. You know what I mean? You need to really build around it. You need to be playing artifacts that are going to the graveyard. But there are plenty. There are plenty of options. It's just how can you abuse it?
1: It seems like a good thing with uh with um the Rebirth.
0: Yeah. I mean that, that's you're good.
1: Putting a, I mean you're putting I mean obviously it's in the same colors and you're putting an artifact in your graveyard with that. Right. So it doesn't seem like a horrible thing. Like you could I mean like it seems like a potential like just another creature you could drop and follow right up with a uh with a Bushwhacker or something.
0: Right. I like the idea of playing a uh, Mox Opal while you already have a Mox Opal in play.
1: Oh, that's, yeah, (laughs) there you go. See, there you go. Now, oh, wow. Now that really makes playing four Mox Opals appealing.
0: Right. I mean, you play, this, this looks like a very cold off a red-ish card, but you need it needs to go heavy on the Metalcraft or heavier on the Metalcraft.
1: Mox Uh Opals are a firm $25 right now, by the way. Good to know.
0: So, uh. The next card, Urobrask the Hidden, I think is really cool too. It's a mythic rare for red, red, three, legendary creature, Praetor. It's a 4-4. Creatures you control have haste. Creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. Uh, So he's a 4-4 haste, by the way, because he he gives himself his ability. And just like the fact that like in a red deck, it seems perfect. And a very like red, very aggressive deck, because even if they play a blocker, It's coming into play tapped. You know, even if they decide they need to chump block, they can't chump block. You know, they need they need an extra turn just to be able to chump block. It's like summoning sickness for blockers. You know.
1: Wow, yeah, that's really neat. I didn't think of it that way.
0: Anyway, let's move on to green. Um, We have Spawning Shell, which is another one of those interesting artifacts that that's colored. So it's a green artifact, costs three colorless and either a green mana or two life. It's, It's the Phyrexian green mana.
1: This is a really interesting card, too. Yeah.
0: um, You pay one and a Phyrexian green. I guess that's the best terminology for it,
1: I guess. That's such an interesting-looking card.
0: Right. It's uh, you pay a Phyrexian green and one. Tap it. Sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature with converted mana cost equal to the sacrificed creature's converted mana cost plus one and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Activate this ability only any time you could cast a sorcery. So, obviously, you can't go, block, do this. You know, you can't. can't. That was my first inclination. I'm like, oh, cool, you can block. Oh, no, you can't. (laughs) Um, But it is similar. It's kind of a survival of the fittest kind of card. You know, it's a a fixed survival of the fittest in a way. I mean, it's an enchantment Mm -hmm. that lets you grab other creatures. Now, it's nowhere near the level of survival of the fittest, which could grab any creature. But uh, it, it's interesting. Um, and I think people are definitely going to be building around it. It's a rare, sure. by the way. Um, and then another green card that looks cool. Uh, another one of the cards in a long line of green, green cards trying to uh, circumvent Day of Judgment, you
1: know? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and with the if the translation's correct, it's one of the weirdest names of a magic card I've seen in a while
0: Fresh Meat. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a rare, green and three, uh, instant. Put a 3-3 three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield for each creature put into your graveyard from the battlefield this turn. Uh, what was the name of that card from Rise of the Eldrazi that drew cards when, like, you could sacrifice a creature and draw cards equal to its powers? Momentous Fall. Okay, that's what it reminds me of. Momentous Fall, It's which was f- a forecasting cost instant that lets you you'd have to sacrifice your creature as an additional cost, and then you draw cards equal to sacrifice creature's power, then gain life equal to its toughness. So that also seemed like, you know, a good answer to removal that nobody plays.
1: Nobody plays because you need to keep four mana up in green. Yeah. And, like, you, if you're trying to...
0: If you're playing you know, green, you're usually tapping out. Yeah.
1: Right. I mean, like, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but nobody plays green that way. Right. You know what I mean, like, I guess it makes sense to be like, here's my one drop, here's my two drop, here's my three drop, deal with them, deal with them, deal with them, deal with them, and like hold the mana up for yeah. fresh meat. but let's face facts, nobody does that. <laughs> you right. know like it might sound like it makes sense, but nobody will ever do that with green.
0: I could see people doing it. I mean, it's just I don't know that it's gonna stick. you know what I mean? It's not gonna stay. It's not gonna really be a big player, I don't think. I mean, it's cool and it, and like you said, like it, it forces people to play correctly by saying don't overextend, you know right. what I mean? Like, play your guys and then hold up your four mana and either, you know, wait until they deal with these or or do something that you need to, to deal with, you know. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. It, it is a nice answer to Day of Judgment. The problem is, are you going to have the mana open when they, you know, when they play Day of Judgment? And that's right. what's unlikely. So uh, we've got five more cards uh, all artifacts. We have Caged Sun is a rare for 6. When it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control the chosen color have plus 1, plus 1, and whenever you tap a land for 1 or more mana of the chosen color, add 1 mana of the chosen color to your mana pool. So it's kind of like Mirari's Wake. Yeah. Um,
1: little, little costly.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Mirari's Wake costs 5, and this costs 6, but it can be played in any color, and, uh, you know, the fact that it it, it's kind of neat, too, because it, you tap Glacial Fortress for a blue, it can only add blue. You can't say, oh, I, I want a blue and a white out of my Glacial Fortress. Right. right. Because you have to choose – if you choose blue, you have to – obviously, you have to choose the color. So you can't uh, – so if what I'm saying is you can't say, all right, I'm going to choose blue, and I'm going to tap Glacial Fortress for a white, you can't get a blue out of it.
1: Right, you right. You don't get
0: the blue also. You just get the white. It's only when you tap that land for blue do you get the blue out of it. So – Kind of neat. Uh, now, here's, I think, my favorite card that's been spoiled.
1: Likewise.
0: I, awesome. <laughs> so, Hex Parasite. Um, it's a 1-1 one, one for 1.
1: Pay attention, people who have been complaining about Planeswalkers. Yeah, seriously.
0: Artifact creature, insect, rare. Um, and it has the ability X, and then two life or a black. So Phyrexian Black. Uh, target a permanent. Remove up to X counters from that permanent. Hex Parasite gains plus one plus zero until end of turn for each counter removed this way. (sighs) And the art is Raymond Swanland, and it looks sweet. And it's tutorable with Trinket Mage, and it's like Uh, uh, I uh, uh, love it. This is my favorite card of the set so far. Um, I mean,
1: it's a pretty awesome card.
0: I mean, the fact that you can go drop Hex Parasite, pay two life, and then tap three and kill a Jace, you know, that just brainstormed or something. So, uh. It's, and then you have a, a creature like that actually gains power, obviously you don't, uh, you can't attack with it the turn you drop it, it doesn't have haste, unfortunately. But it's pretty cool in that it can, um, how much would it suck to go, to want to play your Jace, and they have a Hex Parasite on board, because you're going to get one activation out of that Jace, and they can just kill it. You know, obviously they have to have the mana for it, but... Uh, the the other cool thing is wh- what about like against Gideon, right? He's he, they play Gideon and plus two it, when you have a hex parasite on the board, you can, uh, what tap uh, four I guess. Tap, yeah you'd, you'd have to tap four for oh, X and then you swing four into Gideon life. yeah. Right? But I mean that's one one creature killing the Gideon, taking him out uh, in one right. swing. I mean I think there's just a lot of versatility with this card, and we're just talking about Planeswalkers because Planeswalkers are so heavily played. Um, it's, it's really awesome. And the fact that it's colorless, like it, the Phyrexian mana can be paid with a black, but if you don't have a black, you can just pay two life to do it. I think plenty of people would be willing to pay two life and then X mana to, you know, remove a bunch of loyalty and you don't have to kill the Planeswalker either. What if, you know, again, if you have a hex parasite on the board already, if it doesn't have summoning sickness, you can take out that Jace for, you know, a lot cheaper because you just attack it, you know, you, you pump the, uh the Hex Parasite, remove some counters from Jace, and then attack it for the rest. Right. You know? So it's just by itself. It's it's literally like it's the Planeswalker killer. Um, then we have Scream Whip. It's an artifact equipment rare for four, living weapon. Uh, to equip it, you pay Phyrexian Black, Phyrexian Black. Um, equip creature gets plus one, plus one for each swamp you control. Kind of neat. I mean, it's fa- it is the it is a creature. You know, it is a living weapon. It comes into play with that bonus. So pretty cool. And how much does it cost? It costs four. So um you if you're playing mono it's another reason to play mono black along with the Phyrexian Canceller that we uh we talked about the new Phyrexian negator. Yeah. Right you play a lot of swamp, play this guy. I mean it looks like they're actually pushing mono black a little bit. I mean from what we've seen. Yeah. <clears throat> At least trying to help it out. And we have Black Sun Zenith too. Let's
1: That's see if they reprint awesome. phylactery lich in M twelve. Huh I'd, I'd, I'd like to see them reprint it, because I'd like to see it get played. It's a cool card. Yeah, it's a good card. I've got a set of Korean ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why you want it played. So here's my second favorite card, and I, and I know this one's been around, actually, but I don't think we talked about it, and I want to mention it. It's Pristine Talisman. It's an artifact for three. Tap it to add one to your mana pool. You gain one life. Yeah? I love this. I think it's fantastic. I mean, in a control deck, it's a, it's a Signet, and it's like... I mean, it's Signet-ish. You can't play it on turn two, but... I think it's great that you can just sit there and, you know, get use out of it, you know, using it for mana.
1: Especially with no mm-hmm. mana burn around.
0: Right. I mean, you gain one end life this. every turn, right?
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny.
0: So, I mean, obviously it's it just seems like a, a really interesting card that I could see being a staple in control decks uh, that don't need a, color, a, a lot of colors. So. Sure, yeah. Um, and then the last card is Spell Splitter. It's a two mana cost...
1: I actually like this.
0: 0-4. I think it's interesting, but I don't know if it's playable. It's a two mana cost 0-4 artifact creature horror, rare, and uh, it has, for Phyrexian Blue, target spell or ability that targets only a single creature targets Spell Splitter instead. So uh, it's kind of like a, you know, it, it sucks up removal. It makes them play two removal spells, I guess, to deal with something. So I think The thing it's,
1: I think is cool about it is that it's colorless, so you can play it in any deck. Yeah. It costs Phyrexian Blue, so you can actually pay it to play its ability in any deck for two life. Yeah, and like running it like out of the sideboard like against a removal-heavy deck. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, so um,
0: my question is though, why wouldn't you just play another creature that they want to remove? You know what I mean? Like yeah. just play something else that they want to remove. <laughs> they still need to find another. But removal they can't. Cell, but, yeah.
1: but the thing is, like uh, this doesn't die to bolt. You know what I mean? Yeah, like,
0: yeah I understand, now, yeah.
1: Now, can you – I don't think you can – can you change the tar- – you can't change the target to Spell Splitter if Spell Splitter isn't a legal target though, right? Right. Because, like, you I could – I
0: am sure you could. I would. I would assume.
1: Right, because I was going to say, like, it would be really awesome if you could, like, redirect Condemns or go for the throats to him.
0: Yeah, that, like while well, he's not good.
1: attacking, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, and just negate the ability altogether.
0: That's true, but I'm sure that they, I, it wouldn't. Yeah, be. I
1: don't think it works that way. But uh, I wish it did.
0: Yeah, it would be very interesting if it could. Now, of course, we'll see in the FAQ, but I really don't think that's going to be the case. It's very unlikely.
1: Yeah, but, uh, agreed.
0: But that's uh, that's all we have for the spoilers, and I think um, we're going to have to wrap it up, and uh, we'll we'll talk about some other interesting things next week. One of the things we had to talk about, we'll just save it for another episode. So quickly, just uh, to run down some upcoming events, this weekend is GP Dallas, which is standard. It's April 9th and 10th. So follow all the coverage on that, and we'll see if Cobblade continues to dominate. We saw a a completely different kind of top eight over in Barcelona. We'll see what happens here in Dallas. Um, Then uh, we have the regional Nats qualifiers are April 16th. Uh, April 23rd and 24th is Star City Games Boston, uh, where... I will be with Adrian Sullivan uh, doing SCG Live. And then uh, April 23rd, 24th, that same weekend, is Grand Prix Kobe, which is extended. So uh, that's coming up in the next few weeks. Um, thank you guys for listening. We are Yo! MTG Taps.
1: Stop bitching and start Bruin. Let's see, I'm a
0: tutor of Shriek Maw. Evoke it then bring back Shriek Maw. All my blockers
1: are dead. You wanna beat? No! I gotta wait until my lock is complete. Oh! I get it. You can't kill me yet. I understand. You're not quite comfy till you kill all my land. I'll just check out while you recur your whole hand And wait the 10 minutes that this one turn is spanned Yup, Yo, you really got me 360 degrees I guess that's how it goes when you still had all these I still had all these